0: Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include why no recession yet, my interview with American Land Title Association, Steve Gottheim on Fannie Mae's title insurance pilot program, an alleged attempted expansion beyond its core mission and statutory charter, and why the market is predicting more rate hikes. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Vizio Lending. Vizio is the nation's premier lender for buy-and-hold investors with over two and a half billion closed loans for single-family rental properties, including vacation rentals. Vizio is fast, simple, and dependable when it comes to financing rental properties. They believe time is money and strive to be upfront and consistent about their qualifications. Using a simple DSCR rather than a complicated NOI calculation, there are no tax returns, or personal financial statements, and the pricing is set so you always know your rate. Learn more, including about Visio's top-notch broker program, at www.visiolending.com. We're halfway through 2023 already, and time flies. But why haven't we seen a recession yet? One of the biggest reasons is the labor market, which has remained remarkably resilient. Companies, governments, and families everywhere took advantage of low rates to refinance their existing debt, And now they're paying rates that are pretty much close to the inflation rate, the equivalent of free money. But don't forget that the government has been handing out money like candy since COVID began, and that spigot will eventually get turned off one way or another. At some point, those predicting a recession will be right, just as predicting an economic expansion will eventually be correct. Economies function in cycles, regardless of administration or foreign policy. And the old definition of a recession being two quarters of negative GDP while simple and easy to understand, is stale and not accurate. An inverted yield curve does not always predict a recession, as we've noticed for the last several months. The Federal Open Market Committee and various Fed presidents, along with Fed Chair Powell, continue to talk about inflation. It remains too strong for the Fed's liking. The Fed thinks that there is significant underlying momentum in the domestic economy due to advances in household spending and business-fixed investment combined with the further tightening of labor market conditions. Fiscal policy is intended to act as a natural drag on the economy while the supply chain issues get worked out, and a few members of the FOMC at its most recent meeting noted that there were signs that the pandemic-related strains on paper supply were easing. Loan officers should know that there is no single way to predict how and when a recession will occur since economists assess several metrics to determine whether a recession is imminent or already taking place. The National Bureau of Economic Research's definition that a recession occurs anytime you have two consecutive quarters of negative gross domestic product or GDP growth. Aside, according to many economists, there are some generally accepted predictors that when they occur together may point to a possible recession. Leading economic indicators, such as the ISM Purchasing Managers Index, Conference Board Leading Economic Index, and the OECD Composite Leading Indicator are watched, as is the Treasury Yield Curve. Officially published data series from various government agencies that represent key sectors of the economy, such as housing, stats, and capital goods, new orders data published by the U.S. Census, are also monitored. Changes in these data may slightly lead or move simultaneously with the onset of recession, in part because they are used to calculate the components of GDP, which will ultimately be used to define when a recession begins. Last are lagging indicators that can be used to confirm an economy's shift into recession after it has begun such as a rise in the unemployment rate. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome on to the show American Land Title Association, Steve Gottheim, to talk about Fannie Mae's title insurance pilot program and alleged attempted expansion beyond its core mission and statutory charter. Steve is general counsel for the American Land Title Association, or ALTA. He leads public policy development for the association at the federal level and and is the industry's main liaison with federal agencies, state regulators, and the National Association of Insurance Commissioners. He has more than 15 years of experience in the financial services arena, and has demonstrated success in numerous legislative and regulatory affairs, leadership roles, including with the implementation of Dodd-Frank Rules, TRID, and FinCEN's geographic targeting orders. He regularly speaks on the topics of federal consumer financial laws, including RESPA, TILA, and Graham Leach-Bliley, the Alta Insurance Title and Settlement Company Best Practices and Market Conditions, in the Title Insurance and Settlement Service Industry. I want to start by asking you about the latest House Financial Services Committee hearing, and a lot of it had to do with Fannie Mae and, and this pilot program we're going to talk about today. What happened in regard to Fannie Mae at the latest House Financial Services Committee hearing?
1: Yeah, uh so I think you heard in that the House Financial Services committee uh in in late May um that it, the director of the uh, Federal Housing Finance Agency Sandra Thompson was testifying part of the reason she was testifying for Congress had to deal do with the changes to the low- level price adjustments that had uh that, that fHfa had um, proposed earlier in the year and that were going into effect in in May um but really what you've Also saw is um, members of Congress really taking that opportunity to also talk to her about a whole bunch of other things going on at Fannie and Freddie, including um, at least uh, at least seven or eight members of Congress asking her questions about all of the proposals that Fannie Mae has been uh, working on to essentially become a de facto title insurer and try to cut title insurance out of the process, um, you know, supposedly in uh, in an effort to to reduce costs, but really, you know, in in an effort just to Kind of get them get themselves in the game as as it is to speak, and I think you know you saw in that hearing, um, you know, a, a host of questions from bipartisan members of Congress expressing concerns about why that might not be the best idea for two uh, for a mortgage company and a mortgage giant like Fannie Mae that is you know still technically uh, part of the federal government and still you know on in conservatorship probably forever, but um, you
0: know in conservatorship and and whose capital is provided by the US taxpayer under government conservatorship and, and making some really good profits over the last several years here. Uh, can you explain this pilot program in a little more detail for our listeners what uh what's it entail?
1: Yeah, so earlier in uh in 2023 um we heard and reported in a couple of uh in a couple of news uh sources that Fannie Mae was considering a pilot program where uh, they would uh, waive the current requirement that every loan sold to Fannie has to have a title insurance policy, uh, a, loan, a lender's policy title insurance, um, that they would provide a lender with some rep and warrant relief from that, uh, from that representation. And instead, uh, a lender would have to um, get a, essentially get a, a title-like product from, from uh, a provider that Fannie Mae chose and um, pay, pay for that product. Um, you know, that pilot is, you know, it's it's not out there. It's it's not something they formally proposed yet. Um, but we 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 had heard that it's you know in the works. And then um, I think you saw if you're a keen reader of the updates to the equitable housing finance plans that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have been putting out in the last two years, um, some more confirmation about this uh, pilot that they're working on. That equitable plan suggested that if uh, that they were working towards. A third quarter goal of trying to propose something, um, but th- those are kind of the basic framework of this of this pilot. It's a lender that wanted to do this would, uh, you know, pay some money to Fannie, get a waiver of that representation and warranty, uh, and then Fannie would essentially serve as the title company
0: uh, in that instance. Fannie has a core mission and statutory charter, which I would I would love for you to briefly explain what that is to our listeners. But then also, why would this program potentially expand Fannie's role in the nation's real estate finance system beyond that mission and charter?
1: Yeah, so you're you're right. Fannie and Freddie both have a very similar mission and charter. They're both created by the federal government to do essentially three things, right? One is to create a secondary market for mortgages. Uh, Two is to help produce some uniformity in the way mortgages are done across the country so that we can have things like the same type of interest rate on a thirty-year fixed-rate mortgage in Massachusetts as we get in California, um, and then and then three, it's to to help provide um, affordable housing support and and to help uh, make sure that there's mortgage access and credit available to everybody on on somewhat equal footing, so that you know mortgage credit isn't only available to people in in the wealthiest parts of the country. Nowhere in there did, did I say that Fannie uh, has uh, was chartered to help you know essentially become you know, a member of the primary market for mortgages and real estate services. Um, You know, in fact, their charter is very clear that um, they're supposed to stay as tightly into that secondary mortgage market as possible. Um, And there's, you know, been attempts over the years by Fannie more in particularly to um, kind of blur the lines there, maybe try to get into the mortgage market in in some form. Um, You know, there's, there's, were battles with Fannie in in, in the mid 2000s. There was the effort uh, to come up with new uh, mortgage insurance products um, about you know five or six years ago, in the late in, in like 2017, 2018, in that timeframe. You know, this effort here we see as again another bridge trying to go across that devi- across that you know black line of what their mission really is supposed to be. Fannie and Freddie are supposed to be in the in the secondary market. Going into the primary market for title as a title insurer would be a violation in our in our view, and I think you heard from a lot of members of Congress that it would be a violation in their view as well.
0: Yeah, and and maybe this belabors the point slightly, but how should how should general consumers or those that are involved in the mortgage industry view the program that that's essentially going to turn Fannie Mae into a de facto title insurer? It would entail Fannie becoming responsible for handling claims if a title related issue is discovered
1: right and you know I, you know if I were sitting in the shoes of any uh, con, you know consumer or mortgage lender I would hopefully look at this very you know I would I would argue that you should look at it very skeptically I there's there's you know from from the American consumer standpoint the biggest thing that that they really you know care about when they're going to uh, when, when they're buying a home is that they actually own will own that home right? They they want to make sure they're getting the right financing. They want to make sure they picked out the right house, but if they don't know that they're going to own it, then that's you know then then you undercut the entire uh, you you undercut the entire um, security of the entire real estate economy in general. And so that's the that's the essence of what title insurance does. Um, Replacing you know that due diligence, replacing that certainty that the title industry provides right now today for an all in price of less uh, of roughly um, on average about. 0.75% 0.75% of the purchase price of the mortgage. One of the cheapest things that you can buy in the entire mortgage process is title insurance. Replacing that surety with uh, the speculation that there might be um, a, a better way to do this or that Fannie Mae might have some ability to do this, even though they've never been in this marketplace to begin with, um, is really a trade-off that I would think most American consumers would not uh, want to be the guinea pig, the guinea pigs for. Um, and so I, I, I think you know most lenders would want to look very skeptically at this. I think the second part of this is, as you said, to do this the right way. Fannie's going to have to figure out how to handle all of that workload of being a title company of, you know, getting title records and data and actually doing the type of title search and examination that the title companies do every day. Um, being ready to handle claims and actually resolving these issues from a lending standpoint when you when you have. Uh, Issues with lean priority, it, it, it's one thing to, to, to look at those issues. A lot of the time, they can be hit, handled in foreclosure if they come up after the fact. But when you have consumer issues coming up, that's a whole different thing, right? Most, uh, you, know, you really can't get, uh, just you know write a check to get away from when somebody thinks, oh, no, my neighbor actually owns a small portion of my backyard. Now I can't build the pool that I was thinking of building. Yeah, you know, those don't typically go away with just a little bit of money. And you know, how is Fannie going to be in a position to to really kind of do that type of work? And what we know today is, in seventy five percent of real estate transactions, owners are buying a title insurance policy to protect themselves, along with the owners along with the lender's policy. And so, you know, they're going to have to figure out some way if they're ever going to go forward with a pilot like this, um, how they're going to help you know meet the needs directly of those American consumers, which is we. Said earlier, it's, it's something that is not what they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be in the secondary market. They're supposed to just be liquidity of the of the mortgage market, and not trying to actually, you know, be the front face of it.
0: And you you might have just answered my next question there, but you all the time are are liaising with federal agencies, state regulators, among others. Why do you think Fannie should reconsider? I mean, it it, it stands where if you're Fannie Mae. You think this benefits them? So, uh, I mean, from their perspective, why why do you think they should reconsider?
1: Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, they should reconsider because this is outside of the the mission and scope and, and charter that they that they've been given by the United States government, right? Fannie and Freddie are not normal public, are not normal companies, are private enterprise companies in this country, right? You know, if, if if you know, if I start a bank or start some other business, and I decide I want to get into a new line of business. You know, as a private business, that that's fine. You can make that decision as the owner. You can make that decision as the CEO of a private company. Fannie and Freddie are government-chartered, are government-chartered corporations. They have to live by the very specific charters that they've been given by the United States government. And they benefit from those charters with having such a, a more favorable cost of borrowing funds. Um, you know, they get advantage of it and they should then also have to live by the limitations of it as well. So, you know, I think the first, first reason that they should rethink it is it's, you know, not something that they're legally able to do in, in our opinion given their, their mission and charter. I think the second you know the second reason is you know we think that the best thing and the thing that should happen, especially when you have these two companies that are again controlled by the United States government in conservatorship um, that are paying money back to the taxpayers for the extraordinary support the taxpayers provided to Fannie and Freddie during the financial crisis of 2008 um, is that they should be you know not taking on more additional risk. But they should be looking for ways to offload every possible risk that they have, and that includes. And so, when you know, you think about the fact that they're trying to offload risk in other areas, whether it's um, through these credit risk transfer programs, through the increased use of different uh, mortgage insurance products, why would they go away from that and start taking on more risk? Is another you know question we think ought to be asked, but also another reason why they should why they shouldn't do this because they already have a successful way to turn this risk and put it off into a third party uh, private Private insurance market, and the last thing you know, I would say is really, and probably maybe the first part of this is, it's you know what's best for the American consumer. Consumers, as we've learned, uh, don't just want an insurance check if there's something wrong with their title. They want you to have not they they want you to assure them before they close on that loan or before they close on that home that there's not going to be an issue in that title. And that's why title companies spend so much time and effort making sure that. The seller has clear title, and the buyer is going to get that title um, prior to closing. That's why most of the you know the cost of title insurance goes to all that upfront work. You know, zero point seven five percent of the average purchase price of a home. It's really you know a good deal for most American consumers.
0: And finally, where does this go from here? What are the next steps going forward?
1: Yeah, so if you, you if you listen to the the House Financial Services here, you heard uh Director Sandra Thompson say, um, and answer all of the questions about this pilot in, in kind of the same manner, which is she said she's not a, seen anything about this pilot. It's not been proposed to uh to fan, to FHFA yet, to the federal housing to the federal housing finance agency yet. Um so she doesn't know the specific details because it hasn't come across her desk. We think that the, the, the best course of action is that it never gets across her desk. that um, the folks at Fannie you know recognize that this is you know not the type of project and priority that they should be undertaking um, that's not the best you know use of their resources and how they can support um, both the continued functioning of the housing and and mortgage market but also it's not really going to lead to the types of uh, benefit that's really at the goal of those Equitable housing finance plans so, you know um when we look at you know what those housing finance plans are really supposed to uh, achieve its to help find ways to reduce barriers to get um, low income and more minority home buyers into the into the home buying marketplace given that historically that you know either because of you know historical discrimination or the lack of wealth building that has co- been caused by historical discrimination it is harder for those communities to become homeowners and frankly if we're going to have a, a continued continued robust housing market we need you know that opportunity for home for a larger swath of this country um And it seems like maybe they ought to be spending more of their time and and focus thinking about the ways that they can um, make that happen. You know, as I said, title insurance is is one of the cheapest um, costs of the entire house uh, home buying process. One of the most expensive parts is actually the fees that get charged to Fannie Fannie and Freddie like those LLPAs. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways that they can look inside their own house and and, and really uh, come across and find things that are going to be the more impactful for helping Future home ownership.
0: Steve, very well said. I think this is valuable information for our listeners. And uh, I really want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you, Robbie. Thanks for having us. Rates rose drastically yesterday as stronger than expected data, including a sharp upward revision to Q1 GDP, cast doubts on an economic slowdown. In addition to Q1 GDP increasing to 2.0% from 1.3%. Weekly jobless claims decreased by 26,000, which was a much larger drop than expected. The selling in the bond market, due to boosted risk sentiment and higher rate hike odds, lifted yields on the 10-year note and shorter tenors to levels not seen since the second week of March. Expectations for a 25 base point hike in July solidified yesterday, while the implied likelihood of another increase in September grew to 25.0% from around 15% yesterday. Atlanta Fed President Bostich took a different outlook, saying that he believes that the appropriate Fed funds rate has been reached to return inflation to the 2% target. Inflation is headed down, but how soon will it get back to 2% or so? Gas prices were a big part of the inflation story in 2022, and they're a big part of the disinflation story now. About 60% of the decline in producer prices last month was due to lower gasoline prices, and despite the onset of summer, a traditional time for road trips, demand for gasoline has fallen this year. The current national average for a gallon of regular gasoline is $3.58, according to AAA, a dollar and forty-three less than this time last year. Supply chain bottlenecks are gone and all the COVID stimulus money has been spent, so keeping inflation elevated has been a resilient labor market, which is also the reason we've yet to see a recession. Now, with the rate hike endgame in sight for many central banks, some investors are yet again betting on a US downturn. The close of today marks the month and quarter end, but before then, markets will digest the latest personal spending and income data for May, which came in up 1% roughly as expected and 0.4% respectively. Expectations were for increases of 0.3% month over month in both versus 0.4% and 0.8% previously. So I guess that's good news in the Fed's eyes that people are earning less than was to be expected, which will help reduce inflationary pressures. The core PCE price index was up 0.3% when it was seen increasing 0.4% month over month and up 4.6%, about as expected year over year, the same as April. Later this morning brings Chicago PMI for June and final June Michigan sentiment. We begin the day with agency MBS prices roughly unchanged from yesterday and the 10 year yielding 3.85 after closing yesterday at 3.85%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Brian and Doug are out playing golf. They get to the 17th tee, which overlooks a small lake, and see two guys out on the lake fishing. Brian says, Hey Doug, check out these two idiots fishing in the rain. <laughs> and so concludes a lovely week of golf-related jokes that people didn't, probably didn't really understand. <laughs> Thanks again to today's sponsor, Vizio Lending. Vizio has originated over 14,000 DSCR loans for long and short-term rental properties. They offer qualifications based on DSCR rather than personal DCI, so no tax returns or complicated NOI calculations. Through their top-rated broker program, Vizio brokers can earn up to 5%. Learn more at Visiolending.com. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at com. Visit com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.